Today, we're going to start a, a new series. And by the way, if you're a guest today, this is actually a really good time for you to, to see what we're doing at Clearview because we're going to take the next eight, ten weeks, we're going to look at the life of Jesus. We're calling it pivotal moments. Like, you know, very important moments, times where Jesus had a, a, real, a real change. It went to higher ground, like his baptism. We're going to look at his temptation, which was very real. We're going to look at all kinds of issues in his life that, that I think you're actually going to really enjoy. So I hope you get a chance to, to come be with us for that. And, and today, uh, I want to talk to you about a very significant, obviously, event in his life. You know, I've had this thought many times. I really have. Uh, you, ever, you ever catch yourself thinking, you know, if I had, like, Bill Gates' money, this is what I would do. You ever think like that? If I had Elon Musk's money or Michael Jordan's money or if I had Warren Buffett's money, I'll tell you one of the things. I would do a lot of things, right? I don't, I, there was a whole host of things I would do. But one of those things I would do is, no kidding, I would start a media company. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't run it because you don't really want me running much of anything. Um, I can talk about it, but there's got to be people to actually run things, and I, uh, I, I, I phase out quickly, in the, and I'm happy to say it, by the way, uh, as if, you know, ask my team, and they'll tell you, oh, he's not lying. Um, but if I, I would fund a media company, and I would do it for good news. I would fund a media company that would tell good news stories, because all over this world, and all over America, in Franklin, and Tennessee, and Iowa, and Florida, and Michigan, and Canada, and all kinds of different places across the world, there are good news happening. And it would take a lot of money, but I can promise you this, uh, it, it, when it comes to buying airtime, if you put up enough money, they will play it. Right? So in most cases, so I would truly start a news channel. And we would just tell good news. We would tell stories. Like my friend Calvin. This is my friend Calvin. Who, Calvin, uh, his, his life could be a movie. Calvin uh, spent many years in prison. And, and Calvin in prison, he came to Jesus. And, and, and when, he, when he got out of prison, his life, his, his life got right. And, and, and he, he ended up marrying a lady and, and they had this, this beautiful story, this beautiful marriage. He, he, he was hired by a businessman that, that was willing to take risks on people with checkered pasts. And he's become just a phenomenal man. And it's a great story. And her story is just as curvy as Calvin's. I would tell stories about redemption like that, of people that actually got a second chance. If I owned this media company at least once a week, I would tell something that the sitting president, whoever the sitting president is, I would tell a story from that week of something the sitting president had done to make life better. Because every sitting president, whether you agree with all they do or, whether, or, or not, there's a lot they do that often never gets highlighted because of the political divisions, I would tell a story at least weekly about something the president did that you probably aren't going to hear about. I would tell stories about my friend Joel, who went to the Middle East, raised his own money, went to the Middle East to the Kurds, and he stepped, he, he know where he wanted to go, right? He wanted to go where ISIS was formed. In, in, in little towns, little villages where ISIS was taking over villages and provide relief. He would provide all kinds of ministry applications 
education, all kinds of, all kinds of real, world, real world concepts literally in the heat of the battle. That's an amazing story what Joel did. And that's the, that's the, sto- that's the, the story that Jesus stepped into. Jesus stepped into a world that's full of beautiful stories. Jesus stepped into a world that, that looks like this, you know. I think, when I think of Jesus, I think of him stepping into a world with, with real footprints and real flesh and real blood. And, and Jesus stepped into a world where really beautiful things happen. And Jesus also stepped into that same world that was broken. That same world was a world full of greed because greed's a reality. Jesus stepped into a world where sins of racism exist, and he stepped into that world. He stepped into a world where injustice happens all over the place. He stepped into a world of abuse. Jesus stepped into a world full of smiles and tears. Jesus stepped into a world where babies are born and funerals are held every day. Jesus stepped into a world that was full of real-life reality. There are all kinds of stories about the life of Jesus that fascinate us. He stepped into our world. The Bible says in, in the Gospel of John that he literally pitched his tent. It means he took up residence. He didn't come in a theory. He didn't come as a theological concept. He came in the form of a man. He came in the form of a man. And there are stories that we love about Jesus. I'm going to show you one here in a second. There's this new series out called The Chosen. I don't know if you've seen it. You should see it. It is awesome. I've watched several episodes already with Cole and Tuck and Michelle. You can, if you go on the app store, you can find The Chosen app. You just go online, Google it. You'll find The Chosen. It's totally free. People are crowdfunding this thing. It's the life of Christ, and, and it shows you the season. I think season two dropped today, but season one, binged watch that whole thing in like, you know, 72 hours. It, was, it, was, it, is, it is, in my opinion, the best Jesus documentary that I've personally ever seen. And I want to show you a story that fascinates us from The Chosen. And then we're going to talk about it for a second. Let's look. Where he could light us all. Jesus of Nazareth. I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man!
out your tablet at least. teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. Now you're all going to go watch this thing, aren't you? 
It's really great. Here's, here's the thought that I had, though, for a man who could heal disease. If you've read the Gospels, you'll find that more often than not, he didn't. For a man that could heal sickness and a man that could take away cancer instantly, more often than not, he didn't. And that's the real question. Why would Jesus not? He, if you notice, he didn't right every wrong on the streets of Capernaum. He didn't go into every situation of injustice in Jerusalem and right it and make it better when he could have. He, he didn't. Why would he not? And, and if you look at the story of who Jesus was, you'll find that I, I really think it's because truthfully... Sickness wasn't a person's biggest problem. The answer is is simple. Sickness really wasn't a a person's biggest problem. Injustice wasn't Jerusalem's biggest civic issue. For a man that could do all of that, he most often did not. There's something about the life of Jesus that was very focused was very focused. And when you look at the urgent versus the important, the important had to rule. Jesus could have done a lot of things, but this is what he understood. Even as fascinating as that story, the, the paralytic let down out of the roof, I mean, you know, cutting the guy's roof line up, that's when you got friends that just don't care anymore. Yeah, they just don't care. They're taking a chainsaw or a machete to some stranger's roof, and they just don't care anymore. They want to see their friend healed. And he did, but he often didn't. And the reason was is because it wasn't the biggest problem. The greatest enemy, and I I wrote it down so that you could make sure you understood it. The greatest enemy a person will ever face is the ruthless power of sin over their lives. Notice he forgave the guy's sins. Did you notice that? The greatest enemy a town will ever face is the ruthless power of sin over their city. And the greatest enemy a political group will ever face is the ruthless power of sin over their culture. Today we're going to talk for a second in the the, the Pivotal Moments series. We're going to talk about the biggest moment of Jesus' life. It's, it's the biggest moment of Jesus' life, and I believe I can support it. If you've got a Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. If, if, if you're on a device, uh, I use the NASB, New American Standard, and it's kind of toward the middle half, uh, maybe a little past middle ways of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in the very last chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 24, here's the, the, the context real quick. Jesus has been crucified, Jesus has gone to the grave, and Jesus has come out of the grave. And now Jesus has appeared. The same people that saw him dead are now some of the people seeing him alive. And so Jesus is actually eating with them, right? I, which I think is, I think, I, I wonder if there wasn't a, a little bit of, a, you know, reasoning for him eating. Because some people could say, oh, but that was just a ghost you saw. No, I saw him eat a fish. Ghosts don't eat, right? So Jesus 
is appearing to the people in Luke chapter 24, verse 44. It says, Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things which were written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Let me, let me stop there for a second and tell you. You see, for thousands of years, Prophets had been telling about this Christ that was coming. And the man you saw was in there, a man named Nicodemus. And, and, and Nicodemus is really between the two, and he can't figure it out, and he's wanting to really bad. And because and, and, he knows what the prophets have said for thousands of years. He's a, he is a teacher, and he knows that this has been prophesied. And is this actually the man? Is this really the man? And Jesus, in verse 44, says this has been talked about forever. And then Jesus opened their minds, verse 45 says. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written... That the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus tells us right there that he came for this very reason. Jesus endured the cross. And why did he endure the cross? He endured the cross to shed his own blood. But I want you to understand that's an incomplete gospel if we just stop there. Not to minimize the work of the cross at all, but you do understand that Romans had been killing people on crosses for a long time. That was another form of execution. It was just what they did. This was the cross, and it was the cross of all time. But had Jesus just stayed on the cross, bled and died, he would have been another religious figure put to death. And that would have been the end of it. Had he just stayed on the cross, and when I was uh, coming up, and I, I remember uh, when I first started going to church, we, we talk about the cross constantly, and I heard a lot about the cross, and because the cross is it's actually even the central figure of, of Christianity, but I want to tell you, without the open grave, the cross is irrelevant. Think, really? Yeah, Really? Really? Because had he just died, he would have been dead like any other person. But he wasn't. He went to the cross because the Bible says that blood has to be shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But it was prophesied by Jesus himself that he would raise up on the third day. And so he did. So he did. So the biggest moment in Jesus' life is the resurrection. Because for the resurrection and because of the resurrection, we have... Redemption. You see, the resurrection is, is Christianity's X factor. Every other world faith had a prophet. Every other world faith had a central figure, a teacher. Every other world faith had somebody they looked to as special from God. But only one man was a man who his own people, over the course of weeks, they saw him die. They saw him stick a spear in his side. They proclaimed him dead. They buried him. And those same people that helped bury him saw him alive later. And because of that, 
That makes him the son of God, just like he said. Without the resurrection, everything else doesn't make sense, and it's truly unnecessary. I would even go so far as to say, with the apostle Paul, without the resurrection, Paul said, we are to be pitied among all people. Paul said it. Go read it. We are to be pitied among all people because you could be just straight up going to Cracker Barrel right now, not coming here. You could be eating with mama or dad or your friends because we're pursuing nothingness. We're just another religion at that point. In fact, if it weren't for the resurrection, I wouldn't be a Christian. I wouldn't. Why should I? But because of the resurrection, I believe. And so did the apostles, and so did people for thousands of years later. Jesus could have healed everybody, but he didn't. Because it wasn't the biggest problem. Jesus' life was a life of intense focus. Sure, I get this sense of Jesus when I see him walking toward Jerusalem over the course of those three years as that winding path led toward Jerusalem. I do see him obviously stopping to heal people. I do see him stopping to talk to a woman that nobody would talk to. I do see him doing things and, and gathering crowds and astonishing people that were in real predicaments. But the entire time, he keeps walking. He keeps walking. He keeps walking toward a destination because he was put here for a destination. And all the tyranny of the world and all the tyranny of the world's needs, all the issues related to people that had real issues, that guy you just saw up there, that guy hadn't walked ever, ever. And that's a big deal to him. It's a big deal to him. But here's something that I think we don't often think through in, in terms of humanities. We often don't think through the fact that that guy that Jesus just healed, the paralytic, he is still going to die someday. He's still going to die. So Jesus could heal him, but it doesn't heal his biggest problem. The biggest problem is the power of sin over our lives. So Jesus stayed on mission. Aren't you glad? He stayed on mission when they hated him. He stayed on mission when they called him names. He stayed on mission when the Bible says when he was on the cross, he could have called out to the angels. Can you imagine the prince of heaven, who they had worshipped in the heavenlies since the dawn of time. Can you imagine what it took from God to hold back the heavenly armies when they want to go get the prince? Can you imagine what restraint it took for those that were willing to level the earth? You're not doing that to him. And he didn't call the angels. He had to endure the cross and the shame of the cross. And he had to endure everything it took to get there. And then he came out of that grave. And when he did, it wasn't to establish a new religion. It wasn't. It wasn't to establish a new religion. It was to launch a kingdom. 
It was to launch a kingdom, a kingdom that would live in the hearts. And see, that's, that's something that, that I think we often leave out with Christianity too. We talk a lot about the cross. We talk some about the open grave. And we talk every now and then about the power of the Spirit being inside the people of God. And I'm going to tell you, without all three, the gospel's incomplete. Because look at what Jesus said in that very, toward the end of his discourse. Look at, the, I put it on the screen for you so you could see it. Luke 24, Jesus said, behold, I am sending forth the promise. I told you this was going to happen. Of my father upon you. And you are to stay here in the city until you are what? Clothed with power. Jesus died on a cross. Jesus rose from the dead. And then Jesus filled his followers with himself. He filled his followers with himself. He wasn't establishing a new religion. He was clothing us in power. So the question that I want to ask you this morning is not a religious question. Religion's everywhere. But the difference with those of us who follow Jesus, we know what it means to be filled with the Son of God himself. We know what it means. We are different. We are changed. And it's not because we started thinking different or cleaning up or being better or acting nicer. No, because we still live in a fallen world. No, it's not because of all those things. What's different about the Christian is the Christian is filled with the Spirit of God. And so my question to you is, are you religious or have you been clothed in power? And be careful before you answer that. Have you been clothed in power? He promised that you would be. You see, I'm convinced after walking through my career in ministry that a lot of people are exposed to Christianity and a lot of people come to church and a lot of people experience church. But the further I go, the more I see that fewer and fewer I encounter are redeemed. Many are just religious. And I can tell you, friend, that unless you have experienced the birth, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and the infilling of Jesus Christ, you better back up and make sure you understand. You see, Jesus, Jesus would not have come out of that grave, and he wouldn't made his primary mission forgiveness of sins if that wasn't our biggest need. You will have injustice for the rest of your life. You will have inequality for the rest of your life. You will have sins in culture the rest of your life. And it, you, of all the things we encounter, they are brutal and they are awful. But I'm going to tell you, it is not our worst issue. Our worst issue is the power of sin over our lives. And Jesus came out of the grave to redeem us from that. And you can receive that today. You can receive that today. If you're watching from home, you can receive that today. I did. One day after a service just like this, I, I stuck around because, you know, I didn't know what they were going to do to me. But I knew that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And so I repented. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance isn't joining a church. 
Repentance isn't coming to a small group. Repentance isn't getting on path to purpose. Repentance is actually knowing that there is a God, and when you see his glory, and when you see what the Son of Man did, you understand your position. And your position is one you can't fix. You can clean up. You can try to stop sinning. You can try to stop trespassing, but you can't stop iniquity. Iniquity is in the heart. It is a condition, and for that, you need a Savior. For that, you need a Savior. And so I remember repenting of my sins so that one day I could stand in front of God with Jesus as my advocate saying, no, he is one of the family. I want to read to you one of the most moving passages. I don't want you to turn there. I want you just to listen to what the Apostle John said about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was a true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Talking about Jesus, he was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world didn't know him. And then this haunting verse. It says, he came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood and not of the will or the flesh or the will of a person, but they were born of God. There's a, there's a very famous cultural cliche that we hear all the time. We're all God's children. Not according to that, we're not. Not according to that. No, according to that, we're all God's creation. We're all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. Because that would be blasphemy, wouldn't it? That would deny the very power of what Jesus had to do to make us a child, a son, or daughter of God. We're not all God's children. We're not. We're not. According to this... We're all God's creation. But if you want to be in the family, you can be. You can be if you want to be in the family. But to be in the family, you have to repent and believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to overcome your sins. And to them, he gave the right to be the sons and the daughters of God. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. 
I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world to sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.